0: welcome back to search the scriptures it's great to be back with all of our listeners again today we're so thankful that you're there you know it's wonderful to hear from our listeners many call and leave us messages uh, letting us know that they would like to enroll in one of the bible studies that we offer every day on the program or some call us and just let us know that uh, they have a question perhaps that they'd like to talk with us about or maybe some contact us by email and let us know that, or sometimes snail mail perhaps, let us know that they're listening to the program on a regular basis and they so appreciate that God's word is being taught in depth and in detail. And yet at the same time, we try to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for our daily lives. You know, people are out there looking, they're searching. They wanna know more about God's word. They wanna be able to get closer to God. Since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, we believe that the best thing that we can do to help people get to heaven, to help people come to God through Jesus Christ for salvation, is to teach the Bible. To teach the Bible, again, in an easy-to-understand fashion, but really get into it in depth and in detail. Look at it from the basic perspective that this is God's will. God's will communicated to us giving us his direction to heaven he wants us to be with him second second uh, peter chapter three and verse nine says god is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance now the repentance part that's on us god has already made the way for us to be with him and christ and the holy spirit for all of eternity in heaven and that's through the gospel of jesus christ as we Come to understand it, believe it, and then begin to apply that message of salvation to our lives personally on an individual basis, repenting of our sins, Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, confessing our faith in Christ as our Lord and Savior and God's Son, Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of our sins, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. In Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, at which point we come into salvation in Christ, Mark 16 verses 15 and 16, and we are reborn spiritually, we are made new, we are given that second chance. We put on Christ, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27, and we are again reborn spiritually with him, Romans chapter 6 verses 3 through 5. We want to help as many people as we can be able to look forward to eternity with confidence that they'll be in heaven with their Lord and Savior, God the Father, and with the Holy Spirit. At the end of the program today, we'll tell you how to contact us, and we encourage you to do that. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, and we'll tell you how to contact us, and you can ask for the free Bible study that we always offer. It is free. We'll take care of the postage. We don't want you to send us anything for it. We want to send it to you. We want to help you get to heaven. So have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready. We'll give you that information in just a little while. I want us to begin a study today talking about a perspective of the Bible that many people may not really uh, may not really have. I want to ask the question: What is the Bible? Now, if I just asked you that question personally, uh, you might be caught a little bit by surprise because pretty much everybody would say, "Well, uh, the Bible is God's word," <laughs> uh, and yet, if it is the word of God and it is so vital for our physical and spiritual lives, then why do so many people not read it? If at all, very little. Now most people have a Bible, or maybe two or three in their homes, but so many of those people never, or at least hardly ever, open up their Bible. They don't read it much. They really don't have much understanding, much knowledge of what it conveys, what it says. Many people would probably have a difficult time explaining the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let alone being able to tell you, okay, could you tell me where the book of Acts is found? Or 1 Peter is found? Or maybe the book of Psalms is found? Because they're just not adept because they don't use it very much. They don't read it very much. They're not adept at finding the different books of the Bible. Well, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I'm trying to wake us up. What is the Bible? It is the Word of God. And again, as we pointed out so many times, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Faith is not magical. Faith is not floating around in the air, and it kind of hits you like a virus or a bacteria. It's not something that just kind of happens to a person. But faith comes as we get into the Bible, God's Word, the Holy Scriptures. And we read those scriptures, and we understand what we're reading, and we come to believe it. Now, that's the beginning of the development of faith. But real faith is not just that process alone, but it is also recognizing that because I do understand it and I do believe it, I need to begin to apply these teachings to my life personally on an individual basis. I need to be obedient to God's will communicated to me through his word. Now that's real saving faith. A lot of people have just, oh, a basic intellectual agreement that God is and that Jesus Christ is the Savior, but it doesn't go very much farther than that because they don't know much about the scriptures. They don't know much about God's word, the Bible. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus, but when you start getting into what are the teachings of God, What are the teachings of Jesus? Well, they just don't know much about those teachings. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And I want us to begin reading with verse 9. And here we read this. And this I pray, Paul writes, that your love may abound still more and more, in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now think about what Paul is praying for there. And he's writing this to the church, to the Christians in the church at Philippi. And so he says, I pray, I'm praying for you. But there's a specific purpose or direction of his prayer. I'm praying for you that your love may abound still more and more. Now, a lot of people, that's about as far as their Christian understanding goes, as far as personal application is concerned. We've got to love everybody. We just need to love. Now, if you start asking them, what does that mean? Again, many would be hard-pressed to really put it into reasonable terms of what that really means. Paul says, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Now, discernment means understanding, basically. And not just understanding intellectually, but understanding to the point of putting it into practice properly. Knowledge, though. You see, it begins with knowledge, that your love may be may abound in knowledge. More and more, in fact, he says, in knowledge and all discernment. Well, before we can really exercise understanding and application, we need to have the knowledge there. And then he goes on and says that you may approve the things that are excellent. How can you approve things that are excellent if you don't know what things are excellent? Again, knowledge being at the base of that. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. How can a person live in sincerity before Christ without knowing how to do that? Come back to knowledge. What does Christ expect of me to live in sincerity before him? It's not just feeling warm and fuzzy. But no, we've got to know what that means, how to live in sincerity before him. And then also notice that he says that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Well, how do I live in such a way as to not be in offense to my Lord and Savior? I've got to know what he expects of me. I've got to know what he expects me not to do. Knowledge again. Where does that knowledge come from? Obviously God's word. And then verse 11 again, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Well, you know where we're going along this line, don't you? Already, because it's the same line of reasoning. How can I know what the fruits of righteousness are? How can I be filled, my life be filled with the fruits of righteousness if I don't know what the fruits of righteousness are according to God's word. And I can't know that unless I get into God's word. So being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want to make sure that I live my life to the glory and praise of God. But I have to know how to do that. I have to know what God expects of me in order to be able to fulfill that goal. And we come right back to knowledge then, don't we? We've got to get into God's word. Well, there's a parallel text. And this time Paul is writing to the Christians in the congregation at Colossae. So this letter is called the epistle of Paul to the, uh, the apostle to the Colossians or the church at Colossae. Again, chapter one, beginning with verse nine. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Paul prayed for those brethren in Christ, those brothers and sisters in those various congregations where he had worked among those people who became Christians to a large extent through his preaching of the gospel, but maybe through some other preachers and teachers as well, but he had a relationship with those congregations. And I'm sure he did not limit his prayers for faithfulness and strength and protection and blessings just upon those congregations that he had personally come in contact with, but he prayed for all the congregations of the Lord's church, I'm sure. And so he says, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled Do you know what he's going to say his prayer is? Their prayer is that they may be, the Christians at Colossae may be filled with? (laughs) You figured it out, didn't you? That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now remember back in Philippians chapter one, verse nine, he talked about discernment, knowledge and discernment. Well, here, The word understanding is basically parallel to that. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now knowledge. That you may be filled with knowledge of God's will. How do you know what God's will is? So that you can be filled with that knowledge. You've got to get into God's word. A lot of people just kind of fly by the seat of their pants. In their spiritual lives if they have much of a spiritual life at all they have these feelings they have these these lines of thinking I think this I feel this well that's not going to cut it a whole lot of people have acted in certain matters and in situations upon feelings and upon personal thinking and have made colossal mistakes that have resulted in horrible consequences. When we're talking about eternal destiny, when we're talking about salvation, eternal life, we need to not be flying by the seat of our pants. We need to not be going by just feelings and I think this and I think that, but we need to be going by what God says. And he's communicated that through his word. So we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Now I said, this is pretty much a parallel text to what we read earlier in Philippians chapter one, verses nine through 11. And there, remember that Paul was praying for the Christians at Philippi that, that, they would, uh, that they would be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Well, here in the letter to the Colossians, he's saying, we pray for you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. And that's the fruits of righteousness. Living a righteous life being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, again, same basic prayer with the same basic direction and purpose. I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God, and that comes through his word, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, or that you may walk in a worthy manner before the Lord, pleasing him fully, and being fruitful in every good work. It's not just a matter, and a whole lot of people who do, quote unquote, go to church, and that's really a misnomer, the church goes to the church building to worship God and study his word and give him glory and praise through their worship. But a lot of people who do that even, they are not very fruitful in good works they're not aggressive in trying to serve god openly in an active way they show up at the church building now maybe they do that on a regular basis but their active service does not go much beyond that and so paul says i I pray that you may be fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He comes right back to knowledge again. He said that in the previous verse. He says it again in this verse, the very next verse. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. You see, we need to grow up in Christ. And that doesn't happen by accident. That happens in a purposeful Way of application, applying our lives to do exactly that. Now we go back to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, and here the Apostle Paul writes a different letter to a different congregation, the members of the church at Ephesus. And we pick up here, and he says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in in, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Paul is warning them, you need to be mature enough spiritually that you're not just going, being carried away, being influenced by every new teaching that comes out there by some new and unfortunately, in so many cases, false teacher. People get caught up in all kinds of philosophies that come along, and the philosophies that come along are numerous, and they are repetitive. They keep changing. Somebody else comes along and says, you know, I think this would be a good way, and then somebody else comes along some years later, I think this would be the way things ought to be done, people ought to go and live their lives, and so on, and it just goes on and on and on, and really ad nauseum. So Paul says, I want you to not be tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Don't be like a leaf blowing down the street or across your front yard, and then the gust of wind kind of changes directions, and it blows back another way. Well, that's the way a lot of people live their lives. They hear something, they read something, somebody tells them something, and they go in that direction and then somebody else tells them something else a while later and they change directions again well let's anchor our souls in the word of god he goes on in verse 15 and says but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head christ paul says i want you to grow up spiritually i want you to grow up in christ when a person is first baptized into Christ for the remission of his sins, it's like a baby being born. And we actually see that frame of reference in 1 Corinthians chapter three, the first few verses in Hebrews chapter five, the last few verses. That person has been reborn spiritually. And so they're baby Christians. Now they might be 60 years old, but they've just become Christians. They're baby Christians, but that's not the way they should stay spiritually. A baby who is just born, if he stays in that infantile state physically and mentally, mom and dad's are really concerned. They take him to the doctor. Something must be wrong. He gets examined. Well, a newborn Christian should not stay just a newborn Christian. He needs to grow spiritually. And so Paul puts it here in the frame of reference, grow up in Christ. Keep growing, keep developing spiritually. Develop your faith so that it'll become stronger, stronger, more active, so that you'll know how you ought to live. And the fruits of righteousness will naturally be born through your active spiritually mature lifestyle. That's what we need to be focused on. And it all comes back to knowledge, knowing God's word, because that is our guidebook. That is our instruction manual as to how to live the faithful life before him. Remember Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10, be faithful until death and i will give you the crown of life let's pray together father in heaven help us to cherish your word to hunger and thirst after it to want to learn more and more from it and to live by those teachings not haphazardly but actively and purposefully guide us in this father Help us to grow in our knowledge and wisdom and understanding of your will for our lives so that we can be that shining light to the world around us that is engulfed in the darkness of sin and wickedness and evil so that we can help some come out of that darkness into the light of salvation in Jesus Christ. Guide us in this, please. Please forgive us, gracious Father. Please forgive us. And gracious Father, please hear this prayer. In Christ's name, amen.